In this episode, I sit down with Brandon Knox out of Nashville, Tennessee, and we discuss how he's been able to build a team to sell over $850 million in closed transactions, which is staggering. As well, we talk about the value of having that one thing that you focus on in your business and how mindset plays a huge part of that. As always, I'm your referral partner out of San Francisco, Sean Conkler. Brandon, man, thanks for joining me today. Absolutely, Sean. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. Dude, I have to say, uh, and this is more for the listeners to give them some context, because I am incredibly stoked to have you here. Um, this is just straight off your website and then according to, to national stats, but you're ranked the Knox team, I should say, is ranked or was ranked number one for top listings and top selling in the greater Nashville area. And then in addition to your team has closed over 3,500 transactions and has done over 850 million in sales volume. Dude, I'm just blown away by those stats. And then briefly talking to you, you're super humble and not this this ego driven person, which I really appreciate. Thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, now I should, I should clarify it. 3,500 includes land deals and houses, not all just houses. We do. I sell a lot of land tracks as well. And that's fair. And we're, I, I definitely want to unpack the, the layers to it because your the profile of your business is pretty unique to how, I mean, we all build our businesses our way. And so you've done it in a very unique and highly successful way. Can you give kind of an overview of you have two, essentially two businesses that are symbiotic feeding each other? What are they? I've been a real estate agent since 2008. Uh, I've been a broker since 2011. Um, and so we kind of have, uh, we have three divisions. So we have a land acquisition that does land acquisition for clients, mostly builders and developers. And we will help with them identify uh, land, identify lots, we will help them go through a rezone process or an adaptive reuse process or, or something like that. And then we have um, new construction sales, which kind of comes from that land side. So essentially, after we get those builders and developers their land, after we get it entitled or help get it entitled for single family, townhomes, whatever it is, then we sell a lot of that new construction. And then we have a luxury sales division uh, where we sell a lot of um, high-end resales and high-end new construction. Um so that's sort of the mirror of what we do. And yes, to answer your question, yes, I, I do have two businesses. I also have a business that invests. Uh, it's an investment entity vehicle. It's our family uh, business. And the, basically what we do with that is we joint venture with builders and developers uh, to, to, to build stuff. So if a builder has, say, uh, 10 lots in a subdivision, and for whatever reason, whether it's their bank or whether it's their own personal finances, they only can do five at a time and they'd like to do all 10. Uh, we'll come alongside that builder and we'll pull the financing on the other five. We'll do the debt service to the bank. We'll, you know, pay the, the, the bi-monthly draws uh, and then get that house to completion. The builder will build all 10, but we'll finance the other five. And in exchange for that, uh, our team will list uh, our five as well as the builder's five in exchange for providing financing for half. Um, and so that business sort of works in a circle because we, we buy the dirt. We build the stuff with the builder. We sell the stuff. There's commissions for the team. There's money back to the family entity to, to buy more dirt. So it sort of works in a, in a circle, if you will. That's a fascinating approach. And it, I, I would imagine from 
the builder's perspective, you also have skin in the game. So there's a different level. Of course, we have a fiduciary responsibility, but there's a different level when somebody's a partner with you because they're actually vested and invested in this thing to perform. You said exactly, Sean. We're, 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 we're truly in this together um, and we're helping each other. The builder is helping me because I'm getting in on, you know, 10 listings I might not have been selected as the agent if it was just him interviewing agents. And he's getting to build all 10 of his houses at the time frame he wants them without having to wait a whole cycle. And then, of course, the people on our team are getting uh, listings to work for uh, buyers and sellers um, that they might not have gotten. And the bank's happy because they're seeing multiple people on the debt, which makes them feel comfortable with the exposure levels. So it's sort of a win-win for everybody. We're all in it together. And, um, you know, nobody gets paid uh, till the end. So we're all, you know, we're all in that road together till the, till the very last day. That's a, such a fascinating way to approach it. And to your point, you're touching different aspects of it. And so each business is essentially feeding the next as you go through it. So back us up a little bit. How did you get into this business model? I certainly didn't go looking for it initially. So I, I was, as you said, I was living in New York City. So I was in New York City for 13 years. Uh, the last six years that I was in New York, I was a broker at Corcoran Group. Um, and I was selling a lot of new construction and all the things. And, and my wife and I had a great team there. We were top 1% of NRT at the time. Um, and to make a very long story short, we decided to move to Nashville where my wife grew up and we wanted to raise our children here. I kept working in New York for two years. I would go back and forth about every 10 days or so. I had a decent book of business still in New York. This was in 2013. So 2013, 2014, it's back and forth in New York. Uh, 2015, I found out that my wife was going to have our second child, our son. And I decided that I couldn't be, you know, I couldn't be going back and forth with two, two young children. So I started looking for a way to replace the New York business. I'd been quietly building our Nashville business for two years, but it, it hadn't gotten, you know, uh, that significant yet. It was still kind of in its infancy. So I was looking for a way to replace the New York income because uh, the price per square foot was so much higher in Manhattan. Uh, you know, you could sell many, many less units and make more money with those price per square foots. And the Nashville price per square foot was, was much smaller. So. I started to look at all the builders here. I started to look at all the developers and I started to notice that a lot of them, uh, not, not the big ones, the big ones, uh, didn't need someone like me, but a lot of the smaller ones at the time, they didn't have anyone that was doing land acquisition for them. They didn't have somebody on staff or on salary that whose job it was to find land and lots, vet them, you know, confirm the buildability, setbacks, all the requirements, you know, and to bring them. So. What I started doing was essentially meeting all the builders in town, meeting all the developers in town, the small to sort of medium sized uh, groups and finding out where do you like to build? What product do you like to build? Um, you know, what, what's your buy box in terms of what you can spend for dirt against what you know your exit price is going to be, uh, et cetera. And I started to learn them all and meet them all. And, and uh, I was able to find many of them land. And so that was great because it's, it did a service for them. They kept their, their land pipeline full versus having to, you know, buy a bunch, build a bunch, stop, go look for more, you know, and start the process over. So I was able to help them. Uh, and then conversely, with all this dirt I was giving them, it was it was all of a sudden building listings because they were saying, look, you know, the way I work, if you bring me the dirt and I buy it and I build something there it's a, as a spec, I'm going to list it with whoever brought me the land. So next thing I know, all these land and lots that I've been bringing that I hadn't really thought much about because I'm just feeding these guys land and making a small commission on the land sale. All of a sudden, there's, there's houses built everywhere. And they're coming back to me and saying, hey, those five lots you brought me that you you might have made 20 grand on five lots, 
well, now I'm now I've got five million dollar houses, and now all of a sudden, you know, there's there's a two hundred thousand commission, you know. So I started you know listing all those houses, and I built a team around that. Um, and then to answer the end part of your question, I started doing that on their behalf for a long time, and then I started to notice that I was giving them so many lots and so many opportunities that um, they couldn't do them all, or their banks didn't want them to do them all at once, and so they were starting to have to do what we call land banking, where they're buying more dirt than they can use, and they're land banking the dirt. Which is fine if you pay cash for the dirt, but it's, it starts to become a problem if you're buying a bunch of land at, you know, 20, 30% down and you're paying, you know, a monthly payment to hold the land and your bank says, oh, we're not going to let you build that for two years until all this land's built. Well, that's a problem. And so I started approaching them about, you know, what would it look like if, if, you know, I came along alongside you and what would it look like if I, you know, invested in some of these with you? Uh, I'd save, I'd save my money from commissions and, and for my New York business and, and whatnot. And so. You know, I had some cash to put down at the bank, uh, which qualified me for a you know construction line of credit. And I just said, you know, what if I came along with you guys and you know we built them together? I'm, you're already using me to find the dirt. You're already using me to sell the end house. What's 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 the difference about being in the middle? You know, and uh, and and it, you know some of them didn't like that idea and they you know thought it was a conflict of interest and that's fine. But many of them thought, hey, this is great, let's do it. And you know I've been doing that you know heavily since. Um, 2015. There's a bunch of things that I've gleaned from you. Um, but one of them, it sounds like you're just really curious of like, there's another way to work on this. How, how can we approach this? Is there, there's another solution here. To be honest, Sean, I've told anybody this that I've ever spoken to about this is like a lot of it came out of just like, like desperation and not, and, you know, maybe not desperation is the wrong word, but just like, like, what am I going to do? I'm used to this New York income. It's totally gone. I have a young family. I mean, I'm going to have to sell hundreds and hundreds of houses at, at the price per square foot that, you know, Nashville was at that time. It's, it's gone way up since then. But at the time, it's like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm one person. I can't go sell 300 houses to make the same amount of money, you know, based on these commissions down here. So it's like, what, what, how can I, you know, how can I pull something else into my fold that still uses the skill sets that I have? Because, you know, I have a select set of skill sets and I know a select things and I don't know other things. So it's like, I know real estate and I know dirt and it just, it made sense. What experiences did you have or experience did you have in the building? Did you have any construction in your background? Not really. Uh, I had worked in some new dev in New York. So, I mean, I was around new dev, but that's more like high rises condos, you know, as far as like single family construction, I didn't have a lot of experience, uh, you know, growing up, you know, my, my mom had, had been like a fix and flipper. So, you know, I had some experience helping her in the summers, but that was just, you know, remodeling a small house. I grew up in Austin, Texas area. So it's like, that was just, you know, her buying a small house, remodeling it, you know, fixing the bathroom and kitchen, whatever, painting it and selling it. So no, nothing from the ground up. I just had an interest in it. The, the whole process of it fascinated me. And I saw, honestly, I mean, I saw the money these guys were making and the spreads. And, and I also saw how smart they were. Like a lot of these guys make money at every stage, meaning like, you know, they, they, they buy the land and then they, maybe they subdivide it which creates value there because now they paid a hundred thousand for two lots. Now it's four. Well, now they're, they're at a $25,000 lot basis instead of a $50,000 lot basis. Uh, so it's just, you know, and then, then as they go vertical, you know, they're, they're, they're getting money. And it just, I started to see that there's multiple ways to get paid on, on one transaction. It's kind of like some of these national developers that, you know, they also own the mortgage company and they also own the civil company. So they're getting paid to put the sewer in. They're getting paid to make you a loan on the house that you're buying from them too. It's on a much smaller scale, but it's that same idea. The more ways you can touch a customer, 
the more ways you're going to reap benefit, especially if you're actually providing really high quality service and outstanding value. It was a way to sort of insert myself without having to cause any kind of disruption because a lot of these these guys, they welcomed it because they were being, they were having their hands tied with what the banks were allowing them to do. Uh, and so I'm helping them get through stuff faster, which means they can turn their money quicker. Uh, and, you know, if they're building more houses, they can employ more subs. If they employ more subs, they get better rates. And if they get better rates, their performance look better and their projections look better you know, on their houses, if the projections look better, the bank will let them do more of their own things because they like the margins and they like the timelines and the money stays active. So it's a win. It was win-win for everybody. And um, the result is that, you know, with all getting all these builders, all this land and having them build all these houses and then us getting the opportunity to sell them, uh, you know, resulted in us being, you know, the number one new construction team in Nashville, which just kind of happened. It was never my goal. I just wanted to have a great business and provide. I never, I never sat down and said like, I'm going to be the number one new construction guy. It just sort of came out of that. Yeah. I mean, hard work begets results. And if you're just out there working your tail off. So with the, obviously the interest rates have radically changed over the course of the past year and it's changing the profile of all of our businesses. Yours included, how are you, Where? what are the new opportunities you're seeing to, to pivot and to roll that? into a new direction for yourself? Or are you just doubling down on what you're doing? I literally have a thing on my wall. That's you know, it's my one thing. You know, if you ever do any kind of business or, or coaching or remember any of that old KW stuff, you know what I'm talking about. But my one thing is to double the amount of clients we represent, which are going to be buyers. I'm literally reading off the wall. Buyers, sellers, builders, and investors. And then double the amount of effort that we put into those clients. So I am doubling down from one standpoint. I'm obviously being smart because, you know, we don't, we don't want to double down and just end up, you know, double in debt or double in trouble. The way I'm looking at it is, you know, from a new construction standpoint, when someone's approaching a deal, when we're looking at, you know, this lot over here uh, and we're trying to, we're, we're, we're looking at it, we're saying, okay, let's do a performer. We, you know, we underwrite everything internally before we even, you know, write a contract on the land or even try to turn anything into a bank. We say, okay, you know, what can we buy? What can we, what, what will a, just as an example, what, what will a 2,500 square foot house that's a four, three with a two car garage? What will that sell for here? Okay. So we get the back end. Then we can, so then from there, we can back into what we can pay for the dirt. And if it all packages up, what we always do is we make these performance and in the performer, we have all these contingency light items. So there's, we're, we're assuming we're going to pay X percentage towards a closing cost prepaids or title for a buyer. We're assuming that we're going to have X number of month interest carry at X rate. So we know how much money that's going to cost. Um, we're assuming that we're going to be on the market, you know, contract to close for X time. So we put all that stuff in the, in the performa. And what has been happening is the last few years, we've been putting all that stuff into the performa, but we've been over, we've been outperforming that. We didn't have to give any concessions to the, to the, to the buyer. It took way less time than we thought to sell. It sold for more than we had projected, like all, all great. What's happening now is that. The buyer is asking for stuff. So now the buyer wants those closing costs. They want the prepaids. They want title. They want a fridge and a washer and dryer and blinds on the first floor. They want a, a privacy fence around back. They want two or three or four points towards a rate buy down. Um, it, uh, the interest carry, you know, that we factor that four and a half percent, you know, for six months becomes eight percent for 12 months because the interest rates went up during the build cycle and that took us longer to complete. So. What we're doing now is we're padding the performance and we're saying, okay, 
you know, we expected to make this return. What's the minimum return that we're accept that we, if we find acceptable and that we would still do these transactions at? And if a deal meets that threshold, then we do the deal and we expect to pay the buyer's closing costs and we expect to give them a rate buy down and we expect to pay the buyer's agent an extra bonus to show our house versus the next guy's. And we expect all that and it's priced into the deal. If, if we don't have to pay any of that, great. That goes back to the bottom line to be JV split, but we expect that. So if the deal still pencils at the minimum return, then do the deal and hope that we don't have to pay something within one of those contingencies. Hopefully won't, won't come to pass, but if they do, you know, we're okay. So that's kind of how we've been from the new construction standpoint, how we've been um, uh, combating it. Yeah, man. I mean, it definitely sounds like you know your numbers, which you have to because the margins are, they get tight, especially as things and markets shift and change and evolve. Um, what's interesting, and I kind of want to jump around a little bit because you've built this business for the past 10 years and you basically started from zero. And then prior to that, you started in New York in 2008, which if we all rewind and remember what happened in 2008, that was a radically different market and incredibly hard. And you built and built and created a, a really strong, outstanding company there for 13 years. And so my question that I would love to volley to you, because you have, you literally have two different careers in two different markets, uh, outpacing most, most agents in general. What would be if you were going to start a third what would be the one thing that you would do to kick it off? And ultimately, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give to an agent who is cutting their teeth in this type of market? Yeah. And to clarify, I, I, was, only, I was in New York City for 13, but I was only at Corcoran the last six. Uh, before that, I was actually in hospitality management. But yes. Uh, I, so first of all, yeah, you know, what works for one person at one time, you know, may not work for the next person, even if they do the exact same things, because there's a lot to be said for being first to market. There's a lot to be said for, you know, being the first one to try something. I think first piece of advice I would give to people is, is you, you know, you've got to keep your, your attention on your intention. And I think that in today's world, that's why I said social media is the devil earlier, because partly why, because, you know, the, we're so distracted. It's so hard to focus. I don't care who you are. It is so hard to focus and it's so hard to remain focused for any length of time. And that's why I always say, if you can find a way to keep your, your attention on the thing you intend to do, um, and agents, like, it never ceases to amaze me. And I don't mean to ruffle, I hope I don't ruffle feathers for anyone watching this, but agents out there, it, just assume I'm not talking about you who's watching it, it's the other agents, of course. But no, nobody answers their phone. Nobody responds to text messages. No one responds to emails. Uh, people are late to meetings or they, or they ghost you. I got ghosted today. Today I got ghosted at a meeting that somebody said that they wanted me to be there to understand the property and they were only going to show the property if I would meet and they didn't come. So it's like if, 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 if agents, you know, get up in the morning, suit up and show up. Even if you have nothing to do, even if you have a completely blank calendar, like dress for success and go and and do things so i would say get up sit up and show up be intentional be communicative communicative is that a word yeah just communicate with other people communicate with other agents communicate with people you want to be your clients like like answer your calls answer your texts answer your emails it, it 
it amazes me how many agents and also people in the building world, uh, subcontractors, just they just they don't respond and there's just no sense of urgency. And I think the last thing I'll say about it is because this is this is something I, I struggle with a lot because I'm somebody that tends to just always kind of operate from a place of like almost anxiety. But I think that, that all that almost anxiety also makes me really sharp and really good at what I do. But I think that there's a way to have a sense of urgency about your life and about your business and about the things you want to do without having a sense of anxiety uh, around it. So that's what that, that would be my advice. That's a huge piece of advice. And I, I could not agree more. I, recently, I had a referral going out and it was granted it was a Friday night. So I'll give people a pass on that. And it was, it was late. It was later in the evening. It was about seven o'clock. I had a really dear friend of mine ping me and say, Hey, I want to look at this property tomorrow. Do you know anybody in this market? And so he was ready to go. And I put out a handful of calls. The voicemail literally said, Hey, I have a referral. It's a really good friend of mine. He's ready to go. Call me back. He needs to look at this property. I probably called six people. Three people never called me back nobody answered the phone. The one guy who didn't answer the phone, he was like, Hey, so sorry. I don't know their call. He texted me like while I'm leaving a voicemail, he said, Hey, so sorry. I'm on another call. I'll call you back within five minutes. And he did. And he's the one who won the business. And you're right. I, it's, the, you know, just showing up and letting people know is, is such a huge win. And that's, that's your first your very first opportunity to build trust with that other person. The very first. It's just simple stuff. I mean, it's, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't say anything, you know, profound, but it's just like, to me, like that's the basic man. And, you know, and, and when I started about get up and, and, and showing up, like I'm an office guy, I love get up in the morning and going to the office. And I know that that doesn't, that that's not everyone's story. And a lot of people would say, Oh, well, I make business at the coffee shop or I make business at the gym or the golf course. That's great. But for me, all I mean is whatever it is that you do every day, whether you, whether you go work your gym sphere, or you go work your coffee shop or your, 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 uh, golf course sphere. It's like being, it's getting up and getting there and doing that day in and day out. And not just like when you feel like it, like making it a habit so that you can have that habit of success versus only when you feel inspired, you're going to go do it. Cause you know, we're not always inspired and motivated and like. I'm big on trying to create those recurring habits that you do because it's what you do that help you lead towards success or at least put you in a position to to have an opportunity to you know be successful. To your point earlier about you know the markets are different, whether you're first to market and so it doesn't always apply from one person to the next. but th there's a quote, the harder I work, the luckier I get. And it goes back to your point. If you're just consistent with that, you know, with that one thing, it's like going to the gym. If you just consistently go on a regular basis, you will start seeing results. Amazing how that works. <laughs> oh, I go when I feel like it. How often is that? Once a month. Great. How's that working out for you? Well, I just think, especially in this market, like, you know, it's been easy to be in real estate the last few years, but, you know, I heard some stat and I might be butchering the stat, but something like a million agents are going to go out of business in the next year or, or, or between the last six months and the next year or whatever it was. And I just think like people aren't necessarily looking for what the people are looking for someone they can rely on. And especially if like they're in any kind of real estate where they're, you know, there's a potential for them to be upside down and be in a bad position. Um, like I, there's some builders in town here that, you know, have some real estate holdings that, you know, they're going to need to sell. They're going to go to the person that's going to get it done. They don't, they're not going to go to the person who's Instagram's the cutest or who looks the best on a camera. Like 
they, they're going to go to the person that says, like, if I have one shot to get this done, who am I calling? Who am I going to work with? And I think that's what I mean by that. It's like pe- people just, if people know that you're somebody that is consistent, that does what they say they do, that gets, that gets in there and, and, and gets after it, like you're going to win business. And I don't know what philosopher said it, but there's somebody told me once um, a quote he had heard that basically said, all you need to be successful in business is like 20 people that, that are like your huge Stark Raving fans. You got 20 people out there that love what you do and talk to you about you anytime any real estate comes up. You build a whole business around that. Dan Kennedy is a famous, famous marketer who was, I don't know if he originated it, but he definitely, I've heard him say it multiple times. But, you know, within that, you, for example, you're known within a niche and you're constantly doing that one thing over and over and over and over. And so who, whoever that developer is needs that opportunity. They're going to think about who was the last person they were in communication with and who's the expert within that niche. So it's a, a slam dunk that they go back to you and you've had the consistency of duration. You've been in the business for a decade. That's, and it's not just you, it's all the people you're working with on your team who is also representing you. We have a great team of great direct, director of operations, marketing, and, you know, and the other thing in, I was going to say in Nashville is, you know, when I moved here, there wasn't that many people that did this and, and, the market has become very sophisticated here. There is a lot of fantastic. I want to like shout out to the other agents watching. Like there are a lot of fantastic agents here. There are a lot of really smart people that have, that were here already or that have moved here in the last 10 years that I've been here. But one thing that where I'm able to consistently, I mean, we, we've won the number one team in Nashville four times in 10 years. And it's just, it's, it's the consistency of just like, do what you do really well. And the people and like your people that will come, right? Like, like just concentrate on doing what you do really, really well. And don't worry about, you know, I try not to allow myself to be scrolling on social and see some, you know, beautiful curated thing that some other broker did to be like, Oh wow. my stuff's much more, you know, working class or whatever you want to call it than that. But it's cause like, no, like this is what I do and I stick to it. And the, you know, the clients will come and the people who need me will come and, and there's room for everybody. And um, I think that's important too, as an, as, as, as an agent, you know, to go back to your question, what to tell a young agent, like just, you've got to, you can't do everything for everybody. And, you know, I would, you can, I, I personally think start with some niche things you do, and then you can always expand upon that as you get bigger. And remember, and the first time you get a little success, you know, like, like don't become a total jerk. You know, I had, I know some agents that are making really good money and now it's like, you know, I, I used to call or text them. And now it's like, I call or text them. And then 10 minutes later, like their assistant calls or texts me back. And it's like, Okay, fine, but you don't have to, you know, don't forget how you know how you got where you are. And it's true, the, our reputations within the community because we're only half of the deal. The there's another agent out there who's bringing the buyer, or we're going to to potentially put an offer on their property. And so, yeah, I think uh, there's definitely there's agents who leave a trail of broken glass, and there's agents who you would do anything to work with again on another transaction, just. Because they're so, to your point, communicative, they're on point, and they make it easy for you. So let's talk a little bit about your team. I mean, it, with having these multiple hubs, there's no way you can do it alone. So you obviously have to have amazing people around you. With the real estate portion of it, what does your team profile look like? And more specifically, what's your role within that? 
Yeah, so we actually have a, a small team. Um, we, we have had, at, at one point, we had as many as 19 people, uh, and that was between New York and Nashville. Now we're down to, so there's, there's, my, there's my wife and I, so we're, we're the partners. Uh, I'm the managing partner, my wife's partner. She also does uh, a lot of our community engagement. She does a lot of our charitable stuff. She's our liaison to the community. Um, and she also is part of uh, Compass Care. So she's the Compass Care's liaison uh, to the, the charity outreach in Nashville. Just her and I. We have uh, two two uh, guys that have been with me a long time, uh, Ollie and Will, that, that sell. So they're not like buyer's agents or listing agents. They just kind of do both. Um, but there's just two of them. Uh, and they will work their own sphere, their own uh, client books, and then they'll work a lot of things that I bring them in on. So whether that's my own stuff that I'm building or whether that's a, a developer client of mine that has a neighborhood that needs, you know, staffed, I serve those two. And then we have a director of operations, Denise, uh, who kind of runs the ship uh, from behind the scenes. And Denise is assisted by a marketing person named Amber, and Amber does a lot of our uh, uh, listing input email blast, social media, um, uh, a lot of stuff like that. And then we have, uh, we had a researcher that was with me for like nine years, but he, he took another job, which I was happy to see him because it was something he wanted to do. So we haven't replaced that. I don't know if we will, but that's, that's really all we have. And then of course we have all kinds of, of people that we, you know, contract on a need be basis, whether it's photographers or, or video people or, or whatever. Um, and so that's less for the real estate. It's, it's really small, but mighty. Uh, we like being that small team. So like in real trends, you know, we, we were the number one small team in Tennessee with the number two small team in the country, but that's based on just having five people or less. So if we went over six, then, you know, I, our, our rankings would be much different, I think, but for, that's why we, I love staying small. And it's just enough to do the things that we want to do. Um, cause most of what we do is the new construction stuff. And the beauty of that is that. Each of the builders that we partner with, uh, there's three builders specifically that I partner with, but each one of those builders will have 15, 20, 25 employees on staff. So in a way, I have access to those, you know, 60, 80 people. Um, but I, I don't have to think about, you know, all of their schedules or, you know, HR, PR, 401k salaries. Like I deal with the builder and then him and I have what we need to get done, done. And then his team goes and does it. And if I need any of them, I can always call them and they all know me and pick up, but you know, it's, it's not my responsibility. So I structured it that way on purpose so that I could, uh, do the, uh, building in, in multiple markets. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm all across Tennessee and I'm working on getting into uh, two other States right now with that too. That's impressive. Uh, how small, but mighty your team is. There's so many bloated teams out there that you look at the big number and they're doing great, great work. And then if you, you start dividing it out and you're like, well, actually each team member is not, they're not heavy hitters. And it sounds like your team is all, it's all a star players. Everybody, you know, is a full-time agent and, and, it, and, uh, and it makes, you know, good income. And it's, yeah, I'm, I'm, it always shocks me when, you know, I'll see a team that, you know, has, you know, a half, half or 60% of my production and they've got, you know, we're hiring for six new buyers agents and and then you know you pull them up in the you know broker metrics and it's like man you know how are they living off of two or three deals each a year i don't get it you know and why why does a team that has half my production need five times the people like what is everybody doing so i don't know i mean i don't believe in part-time agents i don't think i don't think you can do this business part-time yeah and i honestly think that if you have a plan b that you know 
your plan B is, is you know, you're playing to fail. I think honestly, I'm I'm kind of a burn the boats guy. You know, back in a Greek mythology, you know, they invade and they burn the boats. So they can't leave. You know, that's kind of my thing. Like I'm all in on real estate. If it <laughs> if somebody's watching this back in ten years and I'm selling insurance, hey, it didn't work. You know? <laughs> that's all I know, man. Like I'm 41 years old. Like I'm not doing anything else, man. I've already been doing this 15 years, so it's like I'm not doing anything else. One of my favorite quotes of all time is "Burn the ships." 100 percent is like. 100%, man. This is either going to work or I'm going to die. Like, th- that's I mean, kind of, though. Kind of. I mean, you're, yeah, I mean, I, yes. It even goes back to your point of, I don't know what the right word was, and it sounded like you were struggling with it, too. It's not, you're not coming from a point of desperation, but there's a point that you're coming from where it's like, I can't fail. It's not that this can't fail. It's, I'm going to look for a way. And if I meet an obstacle, I'm going to go over it. I'm going to go under it. I'm going to go around it. I'm going to through it, but I'm not stopping when I get to, I'm not going to suddenly pull out a plan B and be like, Oh, we're going to turn directions and change the whole business model. Yeah. man, I'm not. And honestly, like, I don't, I, I've never, like I haven't worked for anyone else since I was like, in terms of like, I haven't had like a direct boss or had a corporate job or where I, you know, since I was like 19, like, I think I would just be a disaster. First of all, I'm sure I'd I'm sure I'd say the wrong thing in HR. We get called. I didn't mean, I don't, you know, I'm just, but like, I just am not, I have to do what I'm doing or, or at least stuff in this vein. Um, I think I'd be useless pretty much anywhere else. Like I'm trying to picture myself going into the office and I don't know, you know, explain the Excel sheet to everybody or whatever it is. It's just like, you know, I just suck at it, man. I agree. I'm not, I'm a hundred percent not hireable. Like I have to work for myself. I, I, that is my passion. And I, there's a similar, I, I, I hear you. And there's, there's a similar psychology and it's interesting from having the the privilege and the honor of sitting with all these amazing, amazing agents all over the U S there are absolutely common threads. There's common threads in their psychology, the way they approach the business, the way that they they really distill down like this is the objective and we're going for it. And this, and in their mind, it's already happening or it's already happened. It's not, well, we'll see. It's, it's a very different, their vocabulary is different. Their focus is different. Their drive is different. But what I really admire about the way that you've built your business is you genuinely figured out what is working and then you went all in. You just went super hard on the paint in that category. Whereas other people, they get to your point earlier, they get distracted. They're like, Oh, this is working. Amazing. Let me try this over here and stop doing this amazing thing that was actually paying the bills. And then they start running in all these different directions and they have, they genuinely have what it takes to be an A plus performer but they just don't have that that discipline to stay focused on just show up and do this one thing, show up and do this one thing over and over and over. I have a business coach that I just started working with in Atlanta and he's always talking about, he calls them the four horsemen. Uh, and it's like drift, uh, distraction, dis- dispersion. I forget what the first, the fourth D is, of course, now I'm here on camera. But, um, and it's so, it's especially that drift one, because drift, you know, you don't realize you're drifting and then all of a sudden you go, what am I doing? How did I get here? I, I thought we were doing this and you just casually went off course. And I'm really trying to, to, to combat that. I mean, 
I, I even have reminders in my phone, which again, I can't take credit for it. It's something that they put me on. It literally pops up. Like, what are you scheduled to be doing right now? What are you supposed to be doing right now? And, you know, and, and do you need a course correction? And I, it's hard. It's hard to stay on track, especially in today's world. There's so much chatter, but you know, we're doing the best we can. And I appreciate too, that you shared that you have a coach and I feel like that's, that's often very, it's overlooked. People think once you're performing on this high level, you no longer need a coach. And I, my default is I, I came from sports and, you know, I look at somebody like Michael Jordan, who won an ungodly amount of rings and no matter how many rings he got, he always had a coach. There's always somebody there who, who's looking at you from a different perspective who can just shine a little bit of light. It's like, are you drifting? And then you have to figure it out you have to analyze it and then get yourself back on course if you are it's a challenge i mean especially you know when things are going really well high achievers think they can do everything and they say yes to everything and they and and on the outside looking in it looks like they're kind of doing really well at balancing 12 different things but like the more you achieve the more you realize that you need focus to achieve and i just for me, like that's my big thing. Like if, if, if I sold, you know, half the production next year is this year, but I got really good at focusing and dialing in and just, and, and, and I would consider it a win. That's my big thing right now is because I, I have some big, big dreams and big goals that I want to level up, but I know that I have to focus because not to sound too cliche, but I have these goals and dreams. And I know that right now today, I am not the person that's capable of but I think I can grow into the person that's capable of them through intentionality and focus. So that's my goal is to grow into the person that's capable of accomplishing the things that I've set out. There's a beauty and elegance to that too, is, you know, the point of a goal isn't achieving the goal. The point of the goal is to transform yourself into the person you need to become to maintain that level. 100%. That growth is, is inspiring, you know, selling an extra house, Sure, it feels good and it's a nice paycheck, but that's it hasn't transformed me or the team into that next that next level. And it sounds like with with your team that you're all very clearly if they've been with you for a long time and it's it's highly concentrated, it sounds like there's you're symbiotic in the goal and you're you're all working to grow each other along the way. Yeah, and, you know, there's obviously we, we have just like any team or family, you know, we have our challenges, but at, but there's a low, there's an underlying loyalty there and, and, and you know, a love, if you will, that that, that, that that outweighs it, you know. So, but yeah, I mean, we're all on the journey. I'm on the journey to, 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 to go to the person that will level up. And so, you know, we're, I'm not sure where we are on the path right now, but, <laughs> but we're on it. I think we're on it. I hope we didn't drift off it. Your team will let you know. That's for sure. Especially if you if you have if you have really good people around you, they will hold up the mirror too and be like, "Hey, what are we doing here? Are we on the right path?" Uh, Brandon, this has been amazing. I again, I with all that you have going on, I genuinely appreciate you carving out the time to to sit down and hang out with this audience and and share your 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 vast intel. Uh, so thank you. If somebody wants to find you. Um, refer a business to you or pick your brain, what's the best way they can they can look you up? My website is knoxopenstores.com. There's an S on opens and an S on doors. So www.knoxopenstores.com. Email is brandon at Um You can follow us on all the social medias. We're at Knox Team Nashville, uh, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, uh, LinkedIn. And um, 
yeah, I mean, I'm happy to talk to anybody about anything, you know, especially real estate. I just want to clarify for the listeners. It's K-N-O-X. So it's K-N-O-X opens doors, which I actually find is brilliant. That's whoever came up with that. that that's amazing. Knox opens doors. Yeah, I mean, here it is on my show. I mean, you can kind of see knoxopensdoors.com. Oh, no, that's the, all right, this side. <laughs> I'm backwards. Uh, so oh, I'll give you this funny story. So we're in New York City. I'm starting the team. It's 2008 um, summer, and um, we're out with another couple, and we're all drinking sangria. And the wife and the other couple keeps reaching across the table at the top of my forehead, which is kind of getting like irritated. Why you stop it? She's like, knocks, 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 knocks. And I'm like, what are you doing? And she goes, knocks, opens doors. You know, and she's like messing with my face. So I'm like, stop. And then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I kind of I like that. Well, she's like drunk on sangria. This was on the west side of Manhattan over on the Hudson River. And uh, I'm like, I'm taking that. And I literally like bought the, went to GoDaddy or whatever it was and bought the domain like the next day. <laughs> Kudos for recognizing that moment. And I hope, uh, I hope you've sent her a thank you note. <laughs> it is, it's very catchy. That's why, you know, like our, this is supposed to look like a little house. But it's also T V Knox team, TKT, but it looks like a little house for new construction. You know, that it, it was all the same idea. It's all very intentional. Um, Brandon, I really appreciate your time today, man. Thanks.